saw a tweet that you did um, after writing that maybe Bernie Bros need to be nicer. Then you had this run in with the the Pod Save Bros, and then uh, I, I guess you probably found a lot of support from the meaner elements of the Bernie crowd when you went up against those big Johns. And can you can you talk a little bit about your evolving feelings about uh, the online Bernie Brigade? Yeah. So I mean. I'm always, I've always been kind of a dick online. Um, I just kind of sometimes think that maybe it's excessive and maybe we should self-police a little and maybe we should, you know, you know, pile on Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. I don't really care. But on Elizabeth Warren fan 327, <laughs> um, maybe dial it back. A little bit because you know we are trying to win them over we can't build a coalition with just ourselves um so i've always been i've always been a mean funny lib uh lib crusher online um so i'm not very good at following my own advice and that became very apparent when i made a silly not even very good but very silly joke about beto o'rourke that everyone took the wrong way. Um, <laughs> it was something along the lines of, uh, you know what will really piss Beto O'Rourke off is if Sanders wins Texas over Donald Trump. Because the just the point of the joke was that, you know, Beto couldn't do it. He could have been a contender. Trump. He could have been a contender, exactly. Uh, and he, he did not, in fact, contend. Um, and so I thought it was kind of a silly joke. It was, and it kind of blew up. Uh, some blue check asshole. Uh, can I say asshole? Is that? Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Uh, a blue check uh, douch, douchebag um, quote tweeted it said, "This is a very bizarre thing to tweet." I'm and sorry, John- you can't say douchebag on the show. Only asshole. Uh, or fuck. All kinds uh, of uh, variants of fuck, but but no douchebags. Okay, <laughs> good to know. Um, yeah, so he he got really pissed at me. Um, John Favreau goes, "What is what a small, sad, ignorant person." Um, Was that your I, first interaction with him ever? Oh yeah, he doesn't know. Who <laughs> what I a is. loser! Yeah, and so he uh, <laughs> he he gets. Someone tells me about this because I've tailored my mentions. So that no one can, I don't see anything that people who don't follow me say. Same, yeah. Yeah, um, I've seen, I've seen that you recommend that as well, and Thank that's you. very Thank good. Um, I started doing that after I blew up for the Hot Girls for Bernie thing. Um, I just. What did you have to do with Hot Girls for Bernie? Oh, I was in like a DM uh, with a bunch of other Hot Girls for Bernie, and. We started it, and I was one of the first people to post in the hashtag, and um, a lot of trolls latched onto the fact that I am not a size zero. Mm. <laughs> and, you uh, know, I'm not a size zero, and I'm both the founder and one of the few members of Hot Dads for Amy. Did you just say Amy? <laughs> yeah, you missed that phenomenon during the New Hampshire oh. primary. Oh yeah, apparently I did. Um, as a fellow person who uh, has a ironic crush on Amy Klobuchar, 
Um, I, I, uh, yeah, we, <laughs> every time I go down that rabbit hole, though, I don't find anyone else there. And so I'm glad. Oh, to be. <laughs> oh I am there, my friend. I am Good. there. I, my first issue of my newsletter was all about how I want Amy Klobuchar to do horrible things to me. Wow. Yeah. It, it's behind a paywall and I will not release <laughs> it from that paywall. Um, no matter how much anyone begs because, you know, my professors did that. <laughs> Humiliation by John Favreau, though, was not your thing. No, of course not. Uh, you know, he's he's a dork. I only want to be dumbed by strong, independent women, um, not le- not sentient lanyard dorks. Um, <laughs> sentient lanyard dorks. <laughs> he, yeah. So he. I, so you I filtered just, your mentions, and all of a sudden, you've got this uh, this yeah, like, uh, centrist Captain just, America. On your, Everything on your heels. crazy. Uh, someone tells me, oh, the Johns are mad at you. So I look at it and um, I screenshot it. I say, nothing to look, nothing to look at here, folks. Just a, just a guy, a podcast gazillionaire with 1.2 million followers um, saying that I uh, was a stupid, sad, small person or something like that. Mm-hmm. And um you know, it blows up. He goes, just because you're an early career journalist, that means you sh- you can say whatever you want. I say, it was a joke, you fucking hack. Um, and he uh, says, well, you have a fantastic sense of humor. And then, of course, I, I plug my newsletter immediately. Um, and I got a shit ton of follows from that. So that was good. That was good thinking right there. That was Adriel versus the oligarchs level thinking right there. <laughs> we, we drop uh, self-promotion links any chance we get. That's, uh, oh, hell yeah. That's yeah, no, subscribe now. Jayatime.substack.com. How did, um, how did folks respond, you know, who don't like those pod save Johns and how did they react to your, you know, to that interaction? Oh, they, I mean, I got 2,000 followers in 20 hours, Mm. so it was fine, you know? (laughs) Um, A lot of people were in my mentions screaming at me. I got people telling me I was a Russian. Um, This person is a Russian. Uh, (laughs) Someone said I was a subhuman. Um, Those are the things I saw. People were going nuts. Like, I I haven't even seen all of them, but... It wasn't pleasant to look at, not going to lie. Um, so at one point I tweeted, man, it's so fun to be in the, the mean, funny crowd. Um, I'm so glad I'm not a limp dick lib. Um, and I have to say that directly contradicts what I wrote a couple of days before in my newsletter about how we should be nicer to liberals. Um, I'm actually still wrestling with that. I don't really know how to reconcile the catharsis, the incredible amount of catharsis you get from being mean to people online who deserve your meanness with political expedience. Mm. That's something I struggle with. Yeah, I think, I think that the tension between the effectiveness of uh, online brigading and aggressive online tactics uh, versus the political strategy of making peace with one's enemies uh, at the end of the day when you need a coalition big enough to win an election is really hard. Do you think there, um, there's a tension between folks who 
do media. Like for example, if you're a uh, outrageous figure, but you have enough subscribers, that's kind of what you want. Versus if you're a politician and you have to win an election, you can't just get enough subscribers, you actually have to win a majority uh, in most of our electoral systems of the electorate to your side. Yeah, I mean, Will Meneker can say whatever he wants because he's a podcast millionaire. Um, if a candidate acted like Will, uh, that would not be a serious candidate. You know, Will is, Will and John, uh, I mean, Will and, and, and Virgil and Matt Chrisman and Jesus Christ, Amber Frost, I mean, they're all very, you know, divisive figures. Um, so in reading your, your original article on your Substack about, um, like, could, could Bernard Brothers be nicer? Um, or was it, why so nasty, Bernie brother? Um, <laughs> it, it, it is something that I struggle with because I really feel like Twitter in particular, it's very clear that it influences media narratives, right? And yeah, because every journalist on the face of the earth is addicted to Twitter, mm. not because it has anything to do with real life. True, and I, I, I always want to push back against that one just because I think that it has something to do with real life in that it's the one place where you can hear the yells of the crowd, right? It's like being at a soccer stadium, mm. Um, mm. and you can, you, know, you can tell whose fans are more excited you know, and that does mean something. Power of the ratio, exactly, as you were saying. Yeah, so I, I wrote a piece, and I was trying to think about, like, and it's really, it was really for me more than anything else, but I thought it was, it was interesting to put out. I, a lot of people don't even know what the ratio is, and this is this idea that um, if someone has more comments, normally, and this is true, I do a lot of work on Facebook with my consulting firm, and comments are usually the people who don't like you. Your friends will like and share and they might comment. And if it's a controversial topic, you'll get more comments from your friends. But it's often comments are from the people who want to tell you that you're an idiot, right? Mm -hmm. So if I post something and I get a lot of retweets and a lot of likes um, or on Facebook, you know, a lot of shares and a lot of you know, hearts, that's a good thing. But if I get a ton of comments, it's probably not a good thing. It usually says that I've kind of stepped uh, outside of, of what my community standards and opinions are. Um, and then if I step far enough out, uh, I might get a lot of comments from people who don't even know me but think that my opinion is just really, really bad. And mm -hmm. the ratio is just dividing your comments by your likes and your retweets. I think that's the most common uh, way of, of actually describing the ratio. Um, but I think it does represent uh, an interesting type of morality because it's, it's saying that either your community agrees with you or it doesn't, and possibly you've said something so bad or expressed yourself in such a way that people outside of your community have taken notice and have decided to take you to task. Um, but I do have huge sympathy for what you said earlier is like, it's one thing to go after Elizabeth Warren or her staff members or her surrogates. It's like a totally different thing to go after uh, somebody that you don't know just because they happen to have a take about Elizabeth Warren. Is what in when you were writing your piece, 
what are some of the thoughts you have about like how these communities can self-regulate? And I, I know it's, again, we're both also writing advice for ourselves. Uh, it's difficult because I was thinking about not so much what we shouldn't do, but what we should do. Okay. Um, I was thinking about like engaging people in DMs, um, you know, basically just doing text banking, phone banking, canvassing, but on Twitter, um, you know, being open, talking to people in good faith, uh, no cursing people out, um, you know, uh, you know, just be, just be a nice boy, uh, you know, or a nice girl, you know, like just, just, just try to treat people like, like people, listen to them, hear them out, have a conversation, don't be so reactive, um, and it's very hard advice to follow, and I'm not good at it, um, and I'm also like, I'm also just sort of uh, learning how to adjust to being a public figure or a semi-public figure. Right. Um, you know, like I, I had like a thousand followers up until two months ago. So. So you tripled your your audience just because of this one very public conflict. Non-tupled my audience. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm at I'm at nine thousand now. Wow. Pretty wow. Much. So. Yeah, it's interesting because I sometimes think like uh, the best thing you can do if you want to canvas is get off the social media and canvas. But I've also written guides to like how to canvas in Facebook comments, uh, you know, and which is hard because, as I said, a lot of the comments will be negative. So you kind of sift through them without letting them trigger you. I also think I don't know how you found it, but when I've had more viral moments on Twitter, particularly around conflicts, um, it really messes with your nervous system just like it would if you were in like a physical conflict and you had to you know you have that intense fight or flight and sometimes because of the nature of social media it can go on for hours or even days did you have that experience or or am i uh not with the not with the libs um okay. i'm not scared of the libs uh, they, <laughs> they they are adorable um they, think they can I'm say right. whatever they want and it doesn't I, I don't yeah um I get into that scenario a couple of weeks ago. Um, the alt-right was targeting me mm. and uh, I don't care when liberals target me. I don't care when conservatives target me. I care when fascists target me mm-hmm. because they are mean, they are vicious um, and they don't let you alone for a while until they're, until they're done with you. Leftists are kind of the same way. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's funny because I think it's when I get into arguments with other leftists or when a leftist like, you know, beats my filters to say something that I don't like. That's almost like what gets me more because I because I am trying to be reflective and responsive to my own community. But sometimes it can really get my hackles up. Yeah. So it's either it's either when leftists criticize me in an unfair way in a bad faith way, I go, I get really nervous and I literal trauma reactions happen. Um, Mm -hmm. And as someone who has been traumatized in her life, literal like anxiety, you know, feelings. um, I vibrate slightly shaking. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, like it's, it's, it's serious when people, this is going to be the subject of my next uh, take of the week rather uh, that comes out on Sunday is um you know is online real mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. it is real and yeah. you know yeah. as someone who has been online since she was 12 years old starting with instant messaging on AOL you know like that that stuff does something to you um 
kids kill themselves over online. Um, right. Yeah. You know, yeah. and public shaming is back and that's online. Right. And, right. you know, we all are very, um, online is a terrifying place. It is where real life happens. The distinction between real life and online does not exist anymore. Uh, although there are, it's it's more like a Venn diagram or or more like a fuzzy barrier or porous barrier or something, some silly analogy. It's just, it's, it's a different world we're living in. Online is real. Um, it's a scary world and uh, I'm very scared. <laughs> do you, um, what do you think about the narrative that's put forth by people like myself, uh, but also like our, our recent guest, Ben Dixon, who's been uh, really Love doing ben. well. And yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeah. He's just kind of capturing the zeitgeist. And it is this argument that against fascists and someone like Donald Trump and folks who think it's funny to joke about a, a race war becoming the new civil war and they, uh, they wear Hawaiian shirts while they carry around uh, heavy weaponry, that you need people on the left who are brawlers, who are willing to fight, who are, who, you know, are not going to roll over, who are not soft boys. Like, Right now, that's all online, and I know there there are people who say like, "Oh, but we can't have this because then we'll end up in the streets fighting." And I think as as a socialist, I know that they'll come for you whether or not you're in the streets if they get control, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm writing a story right now about the John Brown gun clubs. I'm writing a story about folks who are fighting these folks. I mean, well, they're doing community self defense. They're they're right. not starting brawls. They're not antifa. Mm -hmm. But they they will get into brawls because the all right gets them going. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. like they'll come for you no matter if you're if you're standing up for yourself, if you're not standing up for yourself. Um, I also think that, you know, Jake Flores tweeted something hilarious uh, and true. He was like, you know, when when all this is over, we are going to be the ones uh, who are going to be on your side the Bernie bro thing will be a distant memory. We will hold you. You will get through it. But up until then, you know, like you're going to have the meanest, funniest assholes on this website on your side. <laughs> no. And I, and I made some, I made some tweet that was like, dude, I just let me at them. Let me at them. You are going to be so lucky when I am not targeting liberals anymore but i am unleashing my ire on maga shitheads like right. you the posting will be exquisite plug away all right well i'm at uh i'm at shut up jaya on twitter because everyone tells me to shut up and i did not think my handle through um <laughs> i uh just started a newsletter it's doing pretty well. I'm pretty excited. Uh, it's $5 a month. Um, half of the issues are free. More than half of the issues are free. But if you want the good stuff, if you want early releases, if you want the spicy Jaya, spicier Jaya, um, you, you got you to gotta pay me, folks. Um, it's at Jaya time, J-A-Y-A-T-I-M-E dot substack dot com. Um, it's it was really fun talking to you guys i damn i wish we could keep talking i'm having fun okay cool so we should we talk about uh talk about the news
So one of the things that caught my eye this week was a new report from Julie Carey Wong, who's been doing some great reporting on the presidential campaigns on Facebook. Uh, she wrote about how uh, since uh, the beginning of the year, we've had um, more than two thirds of the presidential campaign ads shown to U.S. Facebook users were from the Bloomberg campaign. Uh, and I think it's it's a good piece with some great uh, visualizations, infographics, and examples of what's going on. Um, all of this is, is possible because of uh, Facebook's ad library. But one thing that uh, that's that's come up is these influencer ads and uh, how they're not being captured uh, when the Bloomberg campaign pays uh, folks to post on his behalf, and they're not boosted ads. And um, it does seem it's really interesting because things have really quieted down uh, in terms of fights between Bloomberg Online and I'd say it's the Bernie Online and. I think part of that is everyone's focused on Super Tuesday, what's going to happen there. Uh, everyone's focused on these last two presidential debates. But it's, it's, it's good to see, uh, you know, what, what is happening on Facebook because it is a very different type of world uh, than what we're seeing uh, in the more uh, organically driven Twitter narratives. A really awesome piece of tech news, really uh, uh, exciting this week, was uh, Smithsonian announcing its program called Smithsonian Open Access, uh, and they've digitized uh, massive amounts of their uh, of their collections and putting them online with um, Creative Commons and with no restrictions. So they this material can be used commercially. It can be used by artists and folks who want to remix it. Um, Two point eight million images. They've got three D stuff. They've got data sets. Um, so I'm super excited about this. I was looking at what people are saying and. Uh, apparently, there's a lot more where this came from, but this is, I think, what I talk about when I when I talk about like library socialism. You're taking this public asset and making it useful and accessible and freely available to everyone. Uh, so, super excited about that. You can learn more. Uh, just search for Smithsonian Open Access. Reading one of my favorite newsletters, I have to say, because it really gives a, a great roundup of what's going on in tech, is the uh, the the Verge newsletter by uh, Casey uh, Casey uh, Newton. One of the things he was working on this week uh, was. Uh, review of Stephen Levy's new book, uh, Facebook, The Inside Story, which is a quite voluminous uh, and well-researched uh, history of Facebook. One piece that stood out to me in the, the review and the excerpts is Zuckerberg talking about why he caters to the right wing. And the quote is, if you have a company, and this is Zuckerberg, which is 90% liberal, that's probably the makeup of the Bay Area, I think you have some responsibility to make sure you also go out of your way and build systems to make sure you're not unintentionally building bias in. And this is, it's frightening because in ideology, we were seeing like this week, uh, ABC News, like suspending someone because they said they were a socialist when you say that the ideology is 90% liberal, basically what you're saying is you have a lot of people who are happy letting other people do their thing, but don't really have much of an ideology. And so then you have these predatory alt-right people come in and they're able to easily influence it because the company itself has no ideology. Um, I thought that 
that that was remarkable and that I, I do just hate Facebook. There was a story uh, from USA Today about Facebook sparring with voting election officials over 2020 misinformation. Facebook wants to be really involved in elections, but they're not working that well with the states um, that are uh, the government officials in charge of this. And I think that goes to this notion of Facebook acting like its own independent country or government. Um, and I hope they will do better, but I don't um, have a lot of faith that they will. Really interesting uh report that came out of the markup this week, uh, and it's called Swinging the Vote. And it's about how uh, Gmail sorts uh, mail. And this was a partnership with The Guardian that the markup did this story. Um, they found that uh, Elizabeth Warren was only getting inboxed, uh, was never getting inboxed, was only going to like secondary tabs in Gmail when they subscribed to all of the uh, presidential campaigns email. And this is one of those things, and, and Pete Buttigieg got 63% delivery. Now, Google has such a black box around how they prioritize and filter mail, and I, I know this industry very, very well, and I'm sure that if I was with Google, I'd say, well, you know, people like Pete Buttigieg's emails, so if we're sending to an email inbox that's, um, that's very typical, we're gonna prioritize that, that mail because he has a great reputation with the bulk of users. And then they would say, well, Elizabeth Warren, uh, maybe people aren't opening her mail, and so we don't wanna keep uh, prioritizing that mail when people aren't opening it. However, the disparities uh, from this report are very severe, and I think this is the kind of thing, I was actually advocating for AOC to, to do hearings on this because we need to understand outside of a private company's black box uh, whether or not there is suppression uh, or uh, even erroneous filtering of political information uh, and when we have these uh, really monopoly players like Google, you know, which control a lot of the email uh, for uh, American voters. Um, so that's a, a really interesting report to read and I hope that we'll hear more uh, on it than just, just the report. Article in the New York Times, I have to say I didn't even read it, but I know what it's about, and I didn't read it because I'm not gonna pay for them, I'd rather pay for uh, Jay at time. Um, and it, it's uh, by Charlie, it's, it's Charlie uh, Warzel, and he says, Russia wants to meddle in our elections, we're helping. The premise is simply that when we know that uh, foreign governments, and Russia's not alone. Uh, we actually had an incident this week where uh, when Bernie Sanders condemned uh, anti-Muslim violence and riots in India, uh, we had officials from the BJP, the ruling party in India, say that they're going to now attack Bernie Sanders in the presidential race uh, because he's meddling in their affairs. Um, so we see that, you know, potentially India, we know Russia, we know Israel, we know Saudi Arabia, um, and those, those are just the ones that are more obvious, uh, are trying to influence, uh, American society and American elections, uh, through social media. But what happens is then everyone seizes on those narratives. So they'll say, oh, Russia's interfering on behalf of Bernie. So Bernie's a Russian asset. Um, and it's, it's, I find it to be troubling. One of the things I've seen this week also is with the coronavirus, um, partisans latching on and using that to attack uh, instead of 
surfacing the best information. It's like the best attacks on your political opponent, even when it comes to responding to potential pandemic. And um, so we've got some trouble on our hands. And I think what I didn't get to with, with Jaya is that uh, when I organize online, I do try to set some standards. Don't punch down, don't promote harmful information, um, and uh, you know, act in, in good faith, even when you're savaging your opponents. Um, and you see a lot of uh, online behavior that is not at all in good faith. The last story I want to talk about is a follow-up. Um, we were talking about Clearview AI um, that has, um, I think, billions of faces in its database that's scraped from different social media companies. And they work with law enforcement, and they're, they're doing probably some stuff that the government uh, really should be looking into strongly. More AOC congressional hearings, please. Um, but they said that their entire client list was ripped off uh, by, a, by an intruder. So one, it shows that the company is not, uh, that their info security is very poor. Two, it is kind of funny that it was their client uh, list that was ripped off. And I hope that someone will reveal that because I want to know which law enforcement agencies are working with this shady facial recognition company. For, for the tech tip today, I just wanted to talk about default messaging openness. I was doing some outreach uh, recently and continue to do outreach to folks who are running for office uh, and using Twitter. And what I'm finding is that a uh, substantial, definitely not a majority, but a substantial percentage of folks who uh, are campaigning on Twitter uh, do not allow you to send a direct message to them unless they're following you. And that's uh, interesting because, uh, you know, not everyone wants to follow someone or, or not everyone wants to follow someone back in order to hear from them. And I think this is ignorance, not planning. Like uh, Jaya, uh, Jaya and I both um, mentioned that we filter our mentions so that people who don't follow us don't pop up on our notifications, which is important to do when you're a, an online activist, I believe. But if you're running for office, I have my DMs open, uh, and I think everyone should because uh, then folks can reach you. You don't have to accept it. So if it's like from some rando, uh, you know, with a weird avatar or whatever, or you can investigate before you accept their message. Default openness should be a rule and use your technology default open and make sure you're not losing the opportunity to connect with voters, supporters, donors, potential partners, et cetera. Um, and I, I, I published a little bit of a, I published a how-to for Twitter on this. And there, you know, there are other, mess, other channels, but Twitter is a big one, especially because you're there to interact with reporters, as we discussed. And I've got a, a private training network that I run um, that if you are a campaigner or a candidate on the progressive side who wants to really learn how to use digital better and to collaborate with others about how to use digital better, Twitter is really not going to win an election for you. It's, I use it heavily to shape media narratives uh, and to get coverage for my projects. But I do the projects often on Facebook, and then I bring them back to Twitter to try to get uh, uh, more publicity, uh, and sometimes donors as well. Twitter is, can be good for, for donors. But um, Brett Banditelli, uh, who is uh, one of the co-founders, I believe, of People for Bernie, he's also uh, a campaigner with Fight for 15 for raising minimum wage, he said, uh, Adriel does a lot of the work I wish I had the time to do online, especially on Facebook. Too many progressive 
progressives campaign online in ways that they think is helpful, but actually it's hurting their campaign and sometimes the movement as a whole. Adriel gets that. Listen to him. So if, if you want to do digital better, uh, ask for an invite to my private uh, training network. It's uh, sponsored by Action Sprout, uh, but we cover all kinds of technologies and tactics and strategies. Uh, and these are from real world experience doing digital for campaigns. And almost all digital campaigning is first draft. You're, you're either adapting and growing or you're losing. Uh, and this is a place where we can explore that together. So hope uh, to hear from you. And thank you for listening to Adriel versus the oligarchs. That was so uh, neighborly. <laughs> That's the way we be when I'm not telling John Delaney to on Twitter.